I vented a little bit. <laughs> Today I would like to share a Bible verse that God put in my heart as a rhema word for you. Uh, so just bear with me. This is from the, a verse in the Bible. And uh, we're going to read a, a scripture. And I like to tell you that God will choose always ordinary folks to do extraordinary things. So if maybe you think, oh, I, I'm not very talented uh, in anything or, you know, I'm just uh, um, a citizen of Longale or Ballet or whatever, St. Hubert. I, I'm just someone, you know, I have a, a, a job. I, nobody notices me. Uh, and uh, that's, great. that's great. Listen, it's, it's good when you can be discreet and have a discreet life. Believe me, that's, that's uh, really good. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, th there's this uh, story in the Bible that I'll share with you. It's in Judges uh, chapter 6. And, and it's a long story, so bear with me because I want to read the whole scripture. And then I'll, I'll, I'll share a few thoughts with you. And just to, uh, to make it clear, this is a season where the people of God are under oppression of, uh, of enemies. So there's tribes around them, and they're coming to rob, kill, destroy. They wait for them to uh, take care of the crops. And, and as soon as there's a harvest, they come and they steal the harvest. Kind of what spiritually the enemy has been doing to the church. And we need to say enough. So let's see the, the story of this man. Uh, Gideon and uh, Judges 6 verse 11 says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Oprah. A terebinth is a tree. Which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recount us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and give us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go, in this might of yours and save the sons of Israel from the hand of Midian. Do uh, not I send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So we're going to stop here and let me tell you the end of the story. This happened. So he ended up destroying the Midianites with a handful of people. And, uh, and he uh, uh, did a powerful work and, and Gideon became a legend in Israel. But here's the way that, he, that everything started. You see, uh, sometimes we think of ourselves we think that we're weak, we cannot do anything, we're hiding. And here's uh, uh, Gideon hiding. And what's interesting, it's there's an angel sitting under a tree. He's not seeing the angel. The angel is seeing him. And so he's, 
He's uh, un under a tree and looking at what he's doing. There's probably a shed, a an open thing, and there's a press inside. And so he's doing uh, the work that should have been done outside. He's doing inside because he doesn't want to be robbed of his crops. And, and he's feeling miserable because he's powerless against the enemy. The enemy comes to rob uh, his wealth. He's, uh, he's not very wealthy, but the little he has, the enemy is robbing. And I don't know if you ever felt like you're hiding, you've been robbed, uh, your prosperity is going out in fumes, in taxes, in diseases, in this, in that, and accidents, and medication, and you're on the hide inside, and you think that God is ignoring you. But here's the angel of the Lord sitting under the tree and looking at him. He's being entertained by all that work. Kind of, I don't, I don't know if you ever uh, sat in a place and you see other people working. I'm, I'm not saying you should do that. But, uh, uh, you know, one of the, the, the interesting things in uh, South America and Europe, when you have a construction site, they, they, they usually put panels and then they do little windows so people can peek and, and, and actually there's people uh, around the, the construction site, you know, being entertained, smoking a cigar or a cigarette and, and going around and going, they peek in another thing and they're seeing every, everyone working. <laughs> Just admiring. So, so the guys are working, they don't even know there's all this crowd of people looking at what they're doing. I don't know about you, when I'm, when I'm working, I, I don't particularly like when people are looking under my sh over my shoulder to see what I'm doing. You know, I, I, uh, if I'm doing some computer work and people come and you know, they say, oh, let me see what this guy's doing. And, and, uh, and, but one thing is, if we know somebody is watching, sometimes we don't know. And here's Gideon, and I want to just get focused in what happened here with him. This is, the, this is his call. This is what changed his life. There's a supernatural encounter. He doesn't know, but God is there looking at the, an insignificant thing. Because sometimes we think, oh, God must be busy with all the trouble in Israel. God must be busy with all the things that are happening in Syria. Oh, God must be busy with all the, the important things that are happening in the United States of America. Or God must be busy. Listen, God is busy looking at you because he loves you. He has chosen you. He's waiting for the right moment just to show up and say, Liz, I saw you. Here I am. And he doesn't know it's an angel. So let me tell you, in the, the most insignificant things that you're doing, God is watching over you. There's angels watching over you. Be always aware that God takes care of you. The angel of the Lord is looking at what you do. That simple, insignificant action. That thing that you're doing just to survive. That thing that you, you're thinking that nobody cares about you. And here's the angel of the Lord. And I like really what uh, the way it says on the New Living Translation. Uh, verse 14. He says, then the Lord turned to him and said, 
Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And we see, oh, that's encouraging. Is it? Here's the guy that is giving the ultimate excuse. Who am I? I am a no one. And I am weak. Though God doesn't say go with my strength, God says go with the strength you have. So let me tell you that it's important for us to consider that we may have little strength, but when we go with the strength we have, God will back you up with the strength he has. And that's, that, that should be of comfort to you. The Lord told him, it says on verse 12, the angel of the Lord says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. I want to tell you this morning that God is with you. Mighty man, mighty woman of valor. And it doesn't matter if you're on the hide. It doesn't matter if you're in a place that it's not even named the church and you're attending to a service and you're thinking, oh, there's not a lot of people here. Yeah, but you know what? The angel of the Lord is not looking into a lot of people because God is not impressed with a lot of people. The mighty one of Israel, with the blink of an eye, he made armies of literally tens of thousands of, of people to just disappear. God sent a flood that wiped all mankind except for a family. And it wasn't the finest family because we're the descendants of the survivors and we know that they were not saints just by looking around. <laughs> so, let me tell you that God is not impressed with a lot of people. God is not impressed with a lot of wealth. God is not impressed with a lot of wisdom. God is not impressed with a lot of strength. But God touches those he considered man and woman of valor. And so uh, Gideon will know that was, was not his own strength. He ended up defeating a whole nation with an army of 300 warriors. We're not going to see the whole story. But when the battle is above our possibilities, then God's power is manifested. He just requires something of us. Go with the strength you have. Go with the strength you have. And you may say, I don't have a lot of strength. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not about you. It's not about your strength. It's not about your possibilities. It's not about your talents. It is the strength of God. You know, in Romans chapter 8, uh, I, still, I still have a, a verse to, to, to see here with you before I go to Romans. What is this? Oh, I already shared this one. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. The Word of God says, Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory. Wow, overwhelming victory. Wow. You know, lately I avoid watching the Canadians playing because sometimes they have overwhelming defeats. 
But the last time, I mean, I love when there's an overwhelming victory. Against Toronto, yeah. <laughs> All of you watching, don't, don't shut the stream now. Don't shut the stream, guys, from Toronto. But uh, I'm just kidding. But talking about, you know, something that we recognize as sports and there's rivalries and all, there's all this. In the days of Gideon, rivalries were decided with a sword. They actually killed themselves. Now it's better they just kick a ball and they go home upset. Huh? And they go home very, very upset. But the way things are going, people are so offended. One of these days they need to end all sports because people get offended with the feet. Listen, the feet is part of life. Gideon was being defeated. He was on the hide. But when God shows up, his destiny changes. And the destiny doesn't change because God snaps a finger. The destiny changes because Gideon obeys and he takes action. And the action is very simple. Go and defeat that army. Go and confront the enemy. When we read the Bible, sometimes we know the story, and we know, we know the end of the story. We know he had a victory, and we do not consider what truly happened there. He actually had the talent to be able to gather a lot of people. And a lot of people said, oh, we'll go. We'll, we're, we're sick and tired of being robbed. We're sick and tired of this. But God has had a process of choice in which just a handful of people, in the strength they had, were able to defeat the enemies. Now, let me move uh, further. God's strength comes upon every single man or woman that decides to trust and rely in the Lord. So when you go in your strength, God will back you up. Now, in 1 Chronicles 20, 28, we see the, the story of Solomon. And uh, th this is the call of Solomon. Solomon was a, a very wealthy, wise man. On verse 9, we see that his father David is commissioning him to do something. And he says, as for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. And serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. I, I skip a comma. But if you forsake him, he will cast you forever. So here we see the call of Solomon. And, and, and David is giving advice to this, uh, to this uh, uh, young man. And he's telling him, seek the God of your father. Seek him. Get to know him. And here's the promise. He knows and understands the intent of your heart. So, look at the key. The key has to do with your heart. If your heart is set properly in the right things, God will back you up. Okay, let's read verse 10. That's the next verse. It says, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. So wh why is a father giving advice to a son like this? I'll tell you, it's because most likely Solomon feels inadequate to do this task. It's a huge task. He has to build 
something extraordinary. There's a commission of God to do this. And there's a lot of envy. There's a lot of, uh, of, of other people that could do this. There's a lot of brothers. But God chose Solomon. David commissioned him and gives him, gives him the secret of finding God's strength. Now, a few verses on, on verse 20. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. It says, And David said to his son, son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed. For the Lord, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Now, we know that Solomon was very wealthy. That he had palaces. That he had unbelievable wealth. Unbelievable economic, military power. He had all sorts of, of, of wealth, of goods. He lived a comfortable life. However, he got this by addition to the main task he had to accomplish. You know, in heaven, God is not impressed with wealth. God doesn't care with diamond rings. He doesn't care with fine dresses, linen. Uh, he doesn't care about the palace. God doesn't care about those things. God cares that he was given a task and he did that task. Now, we need to consider ourselves, uh, if we want to live a victorious life, we need to serve God with a, a loyal mind and a loyal heart. See the, the word uh, loyal. It says, he will not leave you nor forsake you until you finish the house of the Lord. So, so he didn't quit building the house of the Lord because now he had some extra money. On the contrary, he was the greatest giver to the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is an image, that temple, it's an image of what we spiritually build during our lives. God will give us the opportunity and the privilege to build the house of the Lord. How do we do this? It's when we sometimes come just to a church like this, which is a church on the make, and we contribute for the house of the Lord in some way, shape, or form. It can be with our talents, it can be with our time, it can be with our finances. But Sol Solomon was chosen to build a temple in stone, but you were chosen to build a temple which is a spiritual temple, the house of the Lord, something we call church, and, and th that the world sees as, as an organization, but it's not an organization, it's a spiritual body. So more and more we'll see church changing, church changing into something different. So today, when we talk uh, church, some, some people think of, um, of a show, a spectacle. Like if you go to some churches, it's a great show. It's fantastic. I like it. I tend to like, you know, you know the, the, the lights and the musicians. And, and, and we go to certain churches in the United States. There's the wow factor. We say, wow, look at all this. Oh, God, these folks, they have... Uh, talent, money, they have all these things. This is fantastic. God is not impressed. <laughs> you know what, where God is truly impressed? It's when a group of people gather, seek the Lord, and the Holy Spirit starts doing a, a, a supernatural work in the lives of many. 
It can be 300 out of a nation. But God will be manifesting His power. He will be strengthening you. Strengthening you. All right. So God told Gideon, go in the strength you have. Now let me share a, a last story in the book of Daniel. Now here's Daniel. Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament. He lived in Babylon under the ruling of a, a tyrant uh, king uh, that uh, destroyed nations and gathered the best minds of all no nations, gathered the youth, and he was doing something uh, that it's not strange to us. He was training youth to do whatever evil work he wanted to do. Kind of like university in our days, in college. It's like people are being brainwashed in a certain direction. That's what's happening. But there's some slack to whatever he has to do, and he's different from everybody else. Why? Because Daniel, he has the power of God. So he doesn't fight the king. He lives with the king. He does the best of his life, but he learns how to be salt and light in a world of darkness. Kind of what we need to do also in our days. We don't need to destroy the structures of the world. We need to infiltrate them with the power of God. Now, Daniel 10, 18, it says the following. The one who looked like a man, that's a, 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 an encounter he had with an angel, touched me again and gave me strength. And he said, Daniel, don't be afraid. God loves you very much. Peace be with you. Be strong now. Be courageous. When he spoke to me, I became stronger and said, Master, speak since you have given me strength. Wow. That's a powerful encounter. That's a God encounter. Uh, th this one, we, we say it's an angel. We, uh, you know, by studying the word, we believe it's Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. But that apart, we know it's God and there's a messenger of God. That's what angel means. Angel, it's not just a supernatural being. The word angel means one that is sent by God on an assignment. That, that's, uh, that's a long sentence, but that's what angel means. Angel, it's not a Halloween ghost that comes up to, you know, to spook people. Woo! No. An angel comes with the message of God. Halloween ghosts are demonic representations of the forces of darkness. But that apart, let me tell you what happens again. Here's another encounter. Remember Gideon? He's working, you know, and there's the angel under a tree. I wonder how many hours the angel looked, or days, looking to that man and thinking, hmm, can he do it? Will he do it? Yes, because I'm seeing his heart, and he can do it. He will do it. And in the right time, the angel manifested himself and gives him a command. And that command was go in your own strength. I believe he was also strengthened by that angel to do that task. So he goes in his strength and then the strength of God comes and backs him uh, up. Here's Daniel. This is many years later, many centuries uh, later. And the Lord touched Daniel. 
Because he spoke words of victory into his life. You see, fear keeps victory away. Fear causes us to hide. Fear causes us to think lower of ourselves than we actually are. Gives us a, we have a low self-image. But when God shows up, here's the Lord. He gives him a word of victory. I'm the one who gives you strength. And he says, oh, yes, I receive it. I get it. And then he turns to, to, the, to the angel, which is the angel of the Lord, probably Jesus Christ himself. He says, Master, speak because you have given me strength. And so with Gideon and the Midianites, uh, the enemies were stealing crops and peace. And we also have our personal Midianites. So there's no more Midianites. You know, th those, those people that had strange names. Midianites, Hittites, Jebusites. Uh, it's a lot of ites. And, and, uh, but we also have our own Midianites. Our own things. We, you know, spiritually we are under attack. Some of you, I know that you've been struggling with some health issues. Some with some financial issues. Other types of challenges. And you may think... God has abandoned me. Let me tell you, God will never leave you or forsake you. As long as you have your heart set in God. Sometimes we may feel guilty because we, uh, we think, uh, Oh God, I'm, I'm not praying as much as I should. I'm not serving you the way I should. Oh God, I, I don't have that kind of strength. I, I see Ben comes here and, and he talks when he goes to Vancouver and goes to here in Calgary and all over. I'm, I'm not able to do what Ben does. I'm not able to do what Tony does. I'm not able to do what this preacher or pastor or whatever. Listen, don't ever compare your life with other people. Don't compare yourself. You're unique. And God, the same way he looked into Gideon, the smallest guy from the smallest family, from the smallest tribe. God picks up the weakest of them all. And he says, go in your strength. So if you, even if you feel that you're weak, go in your strength. And you have this confidence, this trust. These are the words of Paul in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. He said, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? And he's talking about trials and tribulation. Wonderful things. It's not wonderful things in, in my uh, way of seeing. But in Paul's way of seeing, these are wonderful things. Because if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Just say with me, if God is for me, who can ever be against me? Can I, come on, you can do better than that. Just tell me. If God is for me, who can ever be against me? All right. So now, now you, you told me. Now you need to tell this yourself over and over and over. Because God will strengthen you through the word. Like he did with Daniel. God just spoke a word. God just said, I will be with you. Here's God speaking his word to all of us. Is God for us? God is for us. I skipped a verse. Um, I don't even know if it's on the presentation. 1 Corinthians 1, 
26. But I'm going to read this verse to you. 1 Corinthians 1. Oh, here it is. I skipped this verse. Such an important scripture for, for our faith. It says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Remember when Gideon was called? What was he? A guy hiding. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of no noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to, ch to shame the strong. God shows the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. This is awesome. You know, you should write this down and stick it in your fridge. Now, you may think of yourself in one of these categories. Like, who's foolish here a little bit? Oh, we have a few foolish people. All right. Who's weak? Okay, so we have some people weak. Hmm? What else? It's just it says here, the foolish things. Who's not influential? You you think I'm not influential? Okay, so many hands. Oh my goodness! God shows the lowly things. Now this one I'm not going to ask. <laughs> who's low? <laughs> What are lowly things in this world? Lowly things are lowly people. Oh, that's a low-class individual. Uh, that's uh, just a street hooker who cares about that woman. Yeah, but God can transform that woman <laughs> and make her more effective than Mother Teresa. Let me tell you. And the despised things. The despised things. Is there things and people and situations you despise? Are you one of the despised? And the things that are not. Oh, this one, we all fall into this category. Listen, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, uh, but I do all these things. Because by the grace of God, I prayed for people and they've been healed by, uh, from cancer. I've seen people healed from cancer. Terminal patients. And say, it wasn't me, but if I didn't pray, they, will, they wouldn't be healed. Hmm? I helped a, a bunch, a lot of people to come out of heroin. I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. So is there things that you're not? <laughs> I'm not a, a marriage counselor, but I help quite a few people, you know, to... Uh, that were splitting and divorcing and now they're, they're still happy. Not every, not doesn't happen with everybody. But there, there's so many things that I'm not. I'm not a singer. If I have to, I can sing. <laughs> I'm not a preacher, but I can preach. Sometimes I even tell you, I'm not a pastor, but I can pastor. The things that you're not. But those are exactly the the. the you're in the right spot to be called and chosen by God. It's when you recognize, oh, I cannot do this. It's when the angel of the Lord, maybe he's not sitting under a therabinth. I don't even know what a therabinth is. It's a, a tree. 
I probably I've seen some, but by the name, I, I don't know what the therabint is. Maybe, uh, Johnny, you can tell me what the therabint is, because you come from Lebanon. Oh, and you too. <laughs> no one. You come from Lebanon too. So, so maybe you can tell me what a therabint is. I don't know what kind of fruit a therabint gives therabintians. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but here's the angel. Under that, and, and there's a reason why it mentions the tree. I'm not going to go over that. There's a reason why it mentions that specific kind or type of tree. And here's Jesus looking at Gideon. Here's Jesus looking at you. When you're at home washing dishes and thinking, I'm good for nothing but dishwashing. I need to buy a, a better dishwasher. Here's you folding clothes at home for your children, for your husband, for your whoever. Feeling I'm, I'm so insignificant. Here's these people doing amazing things and I'm folding clothes. And here's the angel of the Lord looking at you. And, and, and many times it's in the lowest situation of our life. It's when we feel miserable. It's when you cannot pay that bill. It's when you cannot do what you intended to do. It's when the Lord shows up and says, I have a task for you. And you cannot do it, by the way. By the way, I, the task I'm giving you is impossible. By the way, you don't have money to do it. But you have to, to spend a million dollars. And you say, who am I? Are you willing to tell God, I'll do it? Because that's what he wants to hear. He doesn't want to listen to excuses. He already knows the excuses before we speak. And that's, but that's that humility. It's when we submit under the mighty hand of God. That he says, okay. You think very low of yourself, but go in that strength you have. Okay, let, uh, put just the last Bible verse, and I'm going to pray with, with, uh, with you, all of you. Um, come on, computer. Romans 5.8. Now, you may think that because you have sinful attitudes, or thoughts, or you're not that holy, you're not that special, that God is not going to care about you. Think, oh, God will choose other person, or whatever God wants to choose. And believe me, there's tasks that God wants to accomplish in this city. Believe me. I've, I've seen God doing amazing things. One of uh, the, the, the people I had the privilege to serve with, I think I, I mentioned her sometime in a, in a message, but uh, uh, there was a season in my life where I was called to do something that nobody wanted to do. It was a school of healing. So uh, the, the church where I was serving was a, quite a big church, and, and so they, the building was empty during the week. So, so on weekends there was big meetings and amazing meetings, with the stuff we like, you know, the, those, the flashy lights and the, 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 the special uh, interventions and dance groups and all these things. So during the week, the place was empty. And there was a lot of sick people in the church. And, 
I'm not a doctor, but the, at the time my pastor said, I want you to start a school of healing. I said, sure, what do you want me to do? I want you to pray for people that are sick. Oh, that's great. When do you want me to do that? 3 p.m. in the afternoon on weekdays. He says, oh, that's fantastic. A lot of people will probably show up. <laughs> I thought, you know. But that's great, you know. I'll obey. You ask me to do this, I'll do this. So every day I started doing it, and God assembled a group of intercessors. So there was this lady. She will go literally to every bus stop, and she will bring like 10 people, 6 people, 7 people. She will just approach someone and say, oh, I see that you're sneezing. Are you sick? Oh, you, you know what? There's my, my, my pastor there at 3. It was me. There at 3 o'clock, he's, uh, he's praying for people, and God does miracles, and you don't even have to pay anything. It's, everything's for free. And, and it's like kind of a stupid invitation, but the anointing of God was with her. So people will come. People will come. And she even stopped working so she could be at 3 o'clock to do these things. It was an amazing thing. One day, she's sitting in, in a, there was a, this uh, uh, garden, small, like a small square. Uh, it's not really a garden, but there, there's a, uh, you know, a, those, those garden seats. And she's sitting there saying, God, I really need money to pay my bills. And suddenly, there's, there's a, a bunch of bank bills, you know, being brought by the wind. She looks to the floor grabs enough to pay a rent, looks around, decides to pray. This is from someone, goes around. There's nobody there. She pockets, comes to church, says, Pastor, you don't believe what happened to me. So she pays her tithe and goes again to invite people. So why am, sharing, why am I sharing this? Because that 3 o'clock meeting became so big. It was a big church with a lot of pastors that everybody was envious of that meeting. I mean, on a three o'clock meeting, weekdays, we, we literally had a place that, uh, to hold a thousand people and the place was getting packed every single day. It was a great moment of my life. Then, you know, religious stuff, people says, oh, I, I also want to preach, I also want to, and then a year later, uh, it, it was over. But I know that God used me in that, season just because I obeyed and brought these people that were able to go she will go to a hospital pray for AIDS patients God healed a few so that the hospital management gave her a room to pray for people they didn't advertise because you know socialist countries they don't advertise this stuff they, they they're against religion but they saw there's something here let's give the lady a room and he, and he will come, this lady, it was a, um, an African lady from a, a, a nation in South Africa, black woman, full of the power of God. And, and she will come and she will just invite different, you know, everyone she invited to church will come. There, there's an anointing, an anointing. So, so uh, I'm, I'm sharing these stories, these are real stories, because I want to encourage you. Maybe you think, I'm no one, you know? Who am I? I'm here, you know, I don't even speak good French. Or, you know, if I go speak with an English person, my English is, is, is terrible. Listen, God chooses whoever he wants, the way he wants. You know, I'll be very comfortable if God has uh, 
chosen me to be in Brazil. It's my language. I know the culture. Over there, you start a church, you have a thousand people, they say it's a small church. Yeah, I say, oh, that's a small church of a thousand people. Yeah. Because, you know, I've been in places in the same neighborhood, they have three or four that seat 25,000. It's bigger than a, than a Home Depot just for the church. And they have quite a few. And some, they, they join some together. So I'll be comfortable there. I'll be very successful. But I know I'm doing what the Lord called me to do. And today, you're here because God wants to tell you, go with the strength you have. God says that God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You have value. The cross defined your value. God died for you. So even if you're a, a, a drug dealer, prostitute, hooker, whatever, I need to be careful with my language because now we can offend people. But even if you're a transgender, gay, homosexual, God will use you against all odds, against all opinions, against everything the world has to think in the religious world. Because God didn't choose the high priest, God chose Gideon. <laughs> Gideon, a nobody. God chose Daniel, a nobody Jewish kid in a place they hate Jews. They still hate today. They hate them today. It's the same situation. Nothing changed. God can choose whoever he wants. That's why sometimes he will choose like a drama teacher to be the, the prime minister of Canada. That's how God chooses a, a comedian to be the president of the United States. Some think he's not funny. I still think he's very funny. But God chooses people that we think very lowly. And he says, I'm going to use this person for this specific purpose. And you might say, oh, but God is not using the prime minister or president. God is using them. Believe me, he is. Believe me, he is. And he's, he's using people in different levels of society. And he wants to use you. Question is, and I finish with this. Are you humble enough to tell God, God, I'm in that category of the things that are not. I'm not the person for the job. I'm not very smart. I'm not very bright. I'm not this. I'm not that. But God, I will do it. It's when you answer, I will do it, that God says, now go in your strength. And then suddenly, you know what happens? You have the power of God. You have the angels of God. You have the armies of God to back you up. Let us just stand for a, a short while while we do this prayer. Because as we stand, we stand in reverence. And I would like you to stand not just because you've been sitting for a while. But I want you to stand before God himself. Because God is here. And maybe you didn't notice. But, you know, over there in those empty seats, there's the angel of God looking at you. I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. I'm telling you. The angels of God sit here and they're in awe of what we do and what we say. That's what scripture says. It's not my opinion. It's in the Bible, actually. It's in the Bible.
that the angels of God come, they visit us, and they're in awe of us. And you think, but an angel is more powerful than me. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Depends on who's in you. <laughs> but let me tell you, each time you say, here am I, God, send me. He listens. There's a price to pay. Sometimes the price is the price of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I'm calling you. By the way, Jeremiah, you're going to talk all your life and nobody will care about what you say. But centuries later, we're reading his book and saying, oh, what an amazing prophet. But in his time, nobody cared. So God will choose us to do weird assignments, different tasks. But he looks into your heart and he's just telling you, go in the strength you have. 